Sup, you beautiful bastards. You're watching The Philip DeFranco Show, and we got a lot of news to talk about today. We're talking about the beauty industry versus Selena Gomez, Rihanna, and now Beyonce. We look inside Gina Carano's Musk-funded lawsuit against Disney. Tucker Carlson's lying about his Putin interview and even the Kremlin's calling him out. The clown show in Congress is getting extra circusy. Massive farmer protests are actually having an impact. Why Jennifer Crumbly being found guilty is so significant. And then there's even more, so buckle up, hit that like button to let YouTube know you like these daily dives into the news, and let's just jump into it. Starting with, you are guilty for the deaths caused by your son's murders. That is what a jury just told Jennifer Crumbly, convicting her on four counts of involuntary manslaughter related to a school shooting committed by her then 15-year-old son back in 2021. And you know, there's been a lot of anticipation about this ruling, not only just to see what's gonna happen to Crumbly specifically, but because this was widely seen as a precedent-setting case, right? The argument that a parent can be held responsible criminally for their kid's shooting spree has been described as a novel and unusual legal theory. And so now that we've seen this play out here, we may see more of this in the future, not just also with the shooter's father, James Crumbly, who's going to trial with an identical set of charges next month. And so with this now setting precedent, it's important to remember the specifics. Where right? the Crumblies bought the gun for their son used in the shooting as a gift just days before the attack, with them giving him access to a firearm despite his mental health struggles. They then also ignored numerous alarming warning signs, including on the day of the shooting, teachers finding a note that he had left with a drawing of a gun, someone being shot, and the words, the thoughts won't stop, help me. There were some damning texts involved here. You had the Crumblies, yes, meeting with the counselors, but then refusing to take their son home for the day. Also, notably with Jennifer and James having, you know, separate trials, Jennifer's lawyers actually tried to argue that her husband was responsible because he improperly secured the gun. But the jury just didn't buy that. The jury foreperson telling the Today Show this morning. For me, um, I just feel like Jennifer didn't separate her son from the gun enough to save those lives that day. And I think the responsibility of securing the weapon then falls on her. And so now we'll have to wait to see what happens to Jennifer because she faces up to 15 years in prison for each count. Though there, she'll reportedly be able to serve each concurrently. And then, help me, Elon Musk. You're my only hope. That absolutely top-notch, incredibly expensive recreation is what, essentially what's believed to have gone down between Gina Carano and Elon Musk. Because he and X are now funding this massive wrongful termination lawsuit against Disney. Because, you know, as you might remember, Gina Carano, she was on The Mandalorian. But then she got fired back in 2021 after making a handful of controversial social media posts. Where she shared memes on Twitter mocking mask mandates during COVID, also suggesting that there was voter fraud in the 2020 election. Though the one that really ignited the most backlash was a repost on her Instagram story that said, the Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors. Most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? Right, and so with that, you had many saying that she was equating having fringe political beliefs or even just being conservative to being Jewish during the Holocaust. And notably, when Disney announced that they'd no longer be working with her, the company called her posts abhorrent and unacceptable, with them also accusing her of denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities. But now you got Gina firing back and Elon at her side, filing that lawsuit yesterday accusing Disney of discrimination in her firing. And uh, this is real. The actual lawsuit says, this is word for word, I'm not paraphrasing to be funny. A short time ago in a galaxy not so far away, defendants made it clear that only one orthodoxy in thought, speech, or action was acceptable in their empire, and that those who dared to question or failed to fully comply would not be tolerated. And so it was with Karana. Karana was terminated from her role as swiftly as her character's peaceful home planet of Alderaan had been destroyed by the Death Star in an earlier Star Wars film. And all of this because she dared voice her own opinions on social media platforms and elsewhere and stood up to the online bully mob who demanded her compliance with her extreme progressive ideology. With the lawsuit then going to more clearly argue in like normal English, the Disney retaliated against her for expressing her 
political views and then went on to damage her reputation and hinder her ability to find work, claiming that she was treated differently from male co-stars who were allowed to express their political beliefs, noting Pedro Pascal has been vocal in support of Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ plus rights, and more. Also referring to one post from 2017 where he suggested Trump is a Nazi sympathizer. So with all this, she's asking to be recast and to receive damages of at least $75,000. Regina also then further discussing the case online, claiming on X that she was hunted down for her posts, that her words were twisted to demonize her. And with this, thanking Elon and X for allowing her to bring this case to light. And as far as Elon and X, you know, this is a kind of a high profile follow through on one of his previous promises, because he promised to cover the legal bills for those who were treated unfairly by employers over their posts on X. And Elon, for his part, seems to be open to growing this effort. Writing yesterday, please let us know if you would like to join the lawsuit against Disney. Now, as of recording, Disney has not responded to the suit, but we did see a lot of reactions, including people who were weighing in on why Elon likely decided to help fund this particular case. With Grant Keen, a communications professor at California State University East Bay, telling the Washington Post, taking on Disney is sort of a right-wing virtue signal right now. But there's also another part of this that's more likely closer to Musk. He has a personal motivation to fight with Disney, especially publicly, since they pulled advertising from X. So no matter the reason, it is happening, and we're going to watch it all play out. And while we wait to see, I got to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts here? Do you feel like this is a legitimate lawsuit that Disney's in the wrong or no? Do you think it's garbage? Do you land somewhere in between? Why? Why not? I'd love to hear from you. And then in huge international news and also news news. We need to talk about Tucker Carlson because Tucker Carlson just interviewed Vladimir Putin. This has made waves for a number of reasons, with one of them being in Tucker's announcement video. He said he's doing this because no Western journalist has bothered to interview Putin or report on the Russian side of the war. And that is just absolutely false and of intentional and outright lie. You don't have to take my word for it or any number of international journalists word for it. The literal Kremlin called bullshit on Tucker, saying they've actually received lots of requests for interviews with Putin from Western outlets, but that they have no desire to communicate with that kind of media. Tucker also conveniently ignores in this announcement that two American reporters, Evan and Alsa, have been imprisoned in Russia for reporting for nearly a year now, and they've been denied a trial. Also, just a fun little trivia fact for you, 12 of the 17 foreign journalists jailed in foreign countries worldwide are in Russia, where they also have a total of 22 journalists sitting in detention. And this is Russia continues to issue arrest warrants for Russian journalists in other countries. Accurately reporting on Putin and his war is treated as a crime in Russia. Tucker also said that the media is refusing to tell the American people why he's waging this war, which again, it's so weird. It's like there's a trend here. Also not true. American media not only aired Putin's speech on the night that he invaded Ukraine, it was covered endlessly. Pretty much whenever Putin speaks on the war, it's on the front page of every real news site in America. He also said that Americans have no idea what's actually going on in Russia or Ukraine. But any American who doesn't know must just not care because it's not being withheld from them. Understand that Tucker is not getting this chance because he's the first one to ask. Which again, false or outright lie. He's getting this chance because the Kremlin sees him as posing no threat to Putin or his regime. But with what Putin says, he'll either reaffirm it or only slightly push Back. Because after all, this is the same guy who said he's rooting for Russia. And why shouldn't I root for Russia? Because which I am. Also, with this, you know, we've seen some European officials floating sanctions or even a travel ban for Carlson, but I, I would say don't do that. Because while Carlson can understandably be criticized for the, the misinformation that he's peddling of like, oh, I'm the only Western journalist that's trying to talk to Putin. Or also, depending on the quality and the content of the video itself, possibly doing a horrible job and just baby bird feeding Russian propaganda. Everyone, though not in Russia, has the fundamental right to free speech and individual liberty. And that also includes allowing a dictator to stick his hand up your ass and use you like a puppet. But hey, all this is still developing, so follow to stay in the loop. And then, why does every damn celebrity have some beauty product? Well, because it fucking works. Well, over the past few years, you may have been in the camp of, man, the whole space feels too saturated. Hell, even the New York Times putting out a piece in 2021 begging, dear celebrities, please stop churning out beauty brands. Well, they didn't stop, and they just kept making more and more money. Nielsen IQ now releasing data after following 43 celebrity beauty brands and finding that they passed a billion dollars in sales in 2023. And the report explained it. The sales growth of celebrity beauty brands surpassed growth of the 
total beauty category, up 57.8% while total beauty was just up 11.1% during that time. While they didn't specify all 43 brands, some of the heaviest hitters were Rihanna's, Fenty, and Selena Gomez's Rare Beauty. But they've become absolute staples in the beauty space. Also, obviously, you have Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian. Oh, it's also noting that men have been making waves in the space recently as well. You got Harry Styles and Brad Pitt popping up. And now, I mean, this just happened yesterday, Beyonce teased her new hair care line coming out later this month. So obviously, there's no shortage of big names wanting to get in these spaces. And what's been really interesting is seeing how celebrities use this not as just like an extension or a, a way to make money off of their name, but using their products and their companies to as kind of these extensions of who they are or maybe what they stand for. Like with Selena Gomez, she's tied so much of rare beauty to mental health awareness. Also like with Rihanna and Fenty, they go heavy in inclusion. Like if you're not familiar with the beauty space, you might not be aware. Like Fenty has changed the industry. Or like when they launched their foundation years ago, they launched 40 shades. And that was at a time that other companies in the industry offered nowhere near that number, let alone the number of different shades for darker skin. But to be fair, I do believe that MAC had like a 43 shade line, but I do believe that Fenty popularized this. It made it far more standard. And I think it's things like that that allow these companies to not be seen as just kind of like cash grabs, but again, an extension of that celebrity, which is where you got the attention and their goals. And so while obviously with the story we're talking about beauty, whether it be beauty or really any other space, we are just going to continue seeing more and more celebrity companies. Right, your Logan Paul and KSI Primes, your Mr. Beast Feastables. I can't even call it the new state of business. It's just the current state of business. And then, you know, I feel like we all keep hearing about this new scam out there and how scammers are getting smarter about it. Even job scams are on the rise. Yeah, like offering fake job offers leading to people giving up their personal information. And there are important reminders to remind you, beautiful bastards, to protect yourself online. Protecting you and your loved ones because it's open season in the scammer game nowadays. But a safe way to bump up your cybersecurity is through an awesome partner of the PDS, NordVPN, or more directly, NordVPN.com slash Phil. Now they're sponsoring today's show and threat protection from NordVPN neutralizes cyber threats before they can do any real damage to your device. It makes your browsing safer, smoother, and helps identify malware-ridden files, stops you from landing on malicious websites, and blocks trackers and intrusive ads on the spot. And a bonus, once you enable threat protection, it's constantly on the lookout even when not connected to a VPN. Not to mention that one account lets you connect and secure up to six devices in any combination, so you can actually protect yourself and a loved one or two. So go take control of your internet experience today and go to nordvpn.com phil to get a huge discount on a two-year plan plus an additional four months free. That's nordvpn.com phil the best deal on the internet, and it's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And then, you know, Republicans in Congress are a mess right now. Like of a fire festival, porta potty took human form. Because last night, you had chaos reigning in both chambers. You would house Republicans, even if just temporarily taking a humiliating L, with them failing to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, right, because Republicans had advanced two articles of impeachment against him for what they said was willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law and breach of public trust. That, of course, despite the fact that they have no evidence of high crimes and misdemeanors, which is you know, widely seen is important when you are trying to impeach someone for high crimes and misdemeanors. But despite that, the GOP still brought it to the floor, thinking they had enough votes. But it ended up playing out like a soap opera. The Republicans thought they had the votes because only three Republicans were joining Democrats and voting against the impeachment. But then, at the very last minute, fresh from surgery, Democratic Representative Al Green burst in and was like, no, you thought you could do this vote without me? What, just because some doctors were cutting me open? And then after casting that surprise, no, he returned to the hospital. So while that tied up the vote 215 to 215, you then had a fourth Republican congressman flip his vote to no. And while there's been no shortage of including this fourth representative, Blake Moore, as one of the four traitors of Magaland, what Moore did was actually very smart, because it was actually a procedural move that's going to allow Republicans to bring this to the floor again, which is also why I describe this as kind of a temporary L for Republicans.
Republican, because we've already seen Republican members vowing to do just that, saying that they'll have the vote they need when House Majority Leader Steve Scalise returns from his cancer treatment. But regardless, it was a massive and super embarrassing loss for the GOP leadership. It was also compounded by the fact that Republican leadership also failed to pass a $17.6 billion Israel aid package that they brought to the floor the same day, right? That bill falling far short of the two-thirds majority that it needed because of opposition from both Democrats and Republicans, right? Notably, that funding had initially been included in the Senate's bipartisan immigration bill. We had House Speaker Mike Johnson moving this to the floor as a standalone after declaring the border bill dead on arrival, which was a move that pissed off a ton of Democrats, including staunch supporters of Israel, who then condemned this as a political stunt. But all of that was just in the House of Representatives. We need to talk about the chaos in the Senate, where we've been seeing Republicans going absolutely feral over this bipartisan border bill. A bill that, again, was negotiated with Republicans, including big Republican asks, and has the backing of major GOP leaders, including Mitch McConnell. Also, I can't believe we haven't talked about this. You know who else absolutely loves this border bill? U.S. Customs and Border Protection, with their acting commissioner, Troy Miller, sending out a memo to their leadership, saying to better respond to the volume of encounters we have seen in recent years, we need more resources and stronger enforcement tools than currently available to manage migration at the border. This proposed legislation would provide the strongest set of tools we have had in decades to effectively manage migration and enhance our nation's border security, with it then going on to praise all the things it would accomplish, in addition to providing much-needed resources to our frontline personnel with over $6.8 billion in supplemental funding for CBP alone, then going on to list even more that this bill would do and saying together these tools and resources would enable us to maximize consequences against those who unlawfully enter the country, maintain order and security at the border, and appropriately prioritize our essential national security and public safety missions. And while saying these proposed changes won't fix everything in our immigration system, but they are tough and fair. And if enacted into law, they would make meaningful and substantial improvement to our nation's border and national security. Also, a fun little thing is that the Fox News correspondent that first reported this, he got hit with so much hate for, quote, shilling. And he was like, I'm just reporting the news that's happening. But none of that reality matters. Because we've seen Republicans turning against the deal they themselves helped broker. And of course, it's because Trump told members to vote against it. And yesterday, we saw McConnell admitting defeat, telling reporters that the bill will not become a law ahead of a Senate vote that's set for today, where it's 100% assured to fail. But also, very notably, Republicans haven't just turned on their own bill. They've turned on McConnell. Where this win for Trump marks a major loss for McConnell, who's tried his damnedest to separate himself and the party from the former president. But as it's become clearer and clearer that Trump is the 2024 nominee, more Republicans have gotten in line. And we're seeing this pop up even more, like yesterday with several members holding a press conference where they slammed McConnell's handling on the border talks. With Ted Cruz, who, by the way, I don't agree with Trump, has a lovely wife, even going as far as to call for McConnell to step down from leadership and noting that his colleagues have previously supported that as well. Is it time for Mitch McConnell to go? I think it is. Look, everyone here also supported a leadership challenge to Mitch McConnell in November. Uh, I think a Republican leader should actually lead this conference and should advance the priorities of Republicans. Now McConnell, for his part, has brushed off these threats, but I, I think like with his health issues, that doesn't mean that it's going to be going away anytime soon. Right? Unless something dramatic or unexpected happens, it appears that Trump will continue siphoning power away from McConnell. So yeah, a fire festival, porta potty level mess. That's the state of things right now. And for some, that is uh, the perfect plan. And then we've got tractors as far as your eyes can see, with thousands of farmers across Spain right now staging their second day of protest over the European Union's farming policies. And these protesters in Spain using their tractors to block national highways. And according to Reuters, they've blocked 15 major roads across the country. Also on the East Coast, they've blocked access to the port of Castellón, blocking the main entrance with their tractors, burning tires, and staging a sit down protest. And there, notably, it never became 
became violent. They were eventually removed one by one by police. But the protest certainly wasn't limited to just that one port. A state news agency reporting that a thousand tractors were making their way to Barcelona city center. We saw them blocking traffic and meeting with local authorities to discuss their grievances. And again, these are just a couple of examples. You have farmers protesting across the country. And this is, there's a major demonstration planned for Madrid in a few weeks. And all of this is part of a larger protest happening across Europe, right? France, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Italy all seeing similar protests for similar reasons. And according to the BBC, right, a big part of this are the regulations that make up a part of the EU's common agricultural policy combined with high costs for fuel and energy. So it's making it hard for farmers to turn a profit. And with that, one protester saying, the costs when it comes to producing wheat and barley are very high. If you've got to pay for fertilizer, pesticides, fuel, it's killing us. We have to pay very high prices, and yet we sell at low prices. And Spanish protesters have specifically been pointing their finger outside the EU, saying that non-EU countries aren't expected to follow the same regulations, which then just means they can sell their produce for cheaper, which undercuts Spain's farmers. With one further arguing, we have to undergo a lot of controls, a lot of sanitary regulations, which products from non-EU countries are not subject to. We just want a future for farming, and right now we don't see it. And all of these problems also come as Spanish farmers are battling with drought, or with many areas not getting enough rain, which has impacted harvest. In fact, Catalonia just declared a state of emergency due to a three-year-long drought, their longest on record. Now, what we're seeing here is that these protests have kicked off some action, both in the Spanish government and the EU itself, with the Spanish prime minister promising in front of parliament to help the farmers and take their case up the ladder. And then their agriculture ministry announced that just under 300 million would be going to around 140,000 farmers to compensate them for Spain's drought problem, along with issues related to the war in Ukraine. Meanwhile, the European Commission, right, the executive branch of the EU, they've already now made several concessions to farmers regarding environmental rules, and they just decided to shelve their plan for cutting the use of pesticides in half, with its vice president saying that, quote, resource scarcity price shocks at an increasingly competitive global market is having a huge impact on the farming sector and rural communities. And also adding, we have seen from the farmers protesting on the streets of Europe that many of them feel trapped, that their needs are not being met, so we must act. You know, we're seeing some actions, we're seeing some words, but at the end of the day, those are just words. And so we'll be keeping our eyes on the situation, especially in the coming weeks, as that major protest in Madrid gets closer and closer. And then, for your final two things on today's show, the first is a big thank you, and also I guess an announcement slash reminder. This week, we just did our first mini drop of the year over at beautifulbastard.com, new graphic tees, hoodies, and crews, which if you haven't seen yet, includes our yeah, no, I'm fine goodness, and our embrace change comfiness, among other things, which you can snag right now over at beautifulbastard.com. But then finally, we should talk about yesterday, today, where we dive into those comments and see what y'all had to say about yesterday's craziness. And actually, the comments start with a positive. A shortage of people like Adele Wolf sharing, crutches help people heal was one of the most profound things my last therapist ever said to me, and more people need to hear it. Call it a crutch, a stepping stone, or that little wheelie Neil Scooter. Take every opportunity to heal more deeply and become strong enough you don't need the crutches anymore. The people also commenting, yeah, it's about balance. Right, saying things like things always get lost somehow. If you use a crutch too long, atrophy sucks, but crutches are needed. And Jeremy L saying a crutch can be easy to become reliant on because it takes intention and effort to get off of them. And others adding not using a crutch can actually be far more dangerous than using them too long, which I also think comes back to like most things in life. There's stuff out there. And a lot of like the, whether this is a good or a bad thing, it's on the how you use them, how you interact with things. Also in those comments, there was a lot of conversation around the uh, the leaked audio story or the one that resulted in the $25 million defamation judgment. And a lot of the conversation had to do with the excuse or the, the explanation. The guy that went into the rant where he said effing n-words that uh, he said it was because of his blood sugar. The all saying things like, as a type 1 diabetic, I can confidently say we do not turn into grand dragons when we have high blood sugar. Though Eric Young, not believing it, saying sounds like something a high blood pressured type 1 diabetic that transforms into a dragon would say, but I don't know. Can for me see adding high 
high blood pressure diagnoses. Fatigue, joint aching, over-the-top racism, reduced sense of smell. Yeah, that makes sense. And then in general, there was just a lot of love that we did that deep dive into advanced recycling and the, all the bullshit around it. So if there were a lot of reasons for you to catch up on that show if you missed it, that's definitely one of them. But that is where we're going to end today's show. But don't worry, I'm not going anywhere because my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you right back here tomorrow.